Hebrews 2020, we see Jesus, increment 15. Aphorontes es Yesun. A few days ago, Pastor Craig Brown told me of a conversation he had with our very own Brian Reed. Usually sits right down here. They spoke of Numbers chapter 21, verses 4 through 9, and its account of a remarkable episode of the wandering people of God after the Exodus and their liberation from Egypt. The people had become weary, they'd become impatient because of the long journey they had made by way of the Red Sea in order to bypass the region of Edom. The people then began to speak against Moses, as people often speak against their leaders in their quest for a scapegoat in times of trial and adversity. Because of their bitter complaining against God and Moses, the Lord sent poisonous snakes among them, and many died. Then the people went to Moses and admitted their sin of speaking against Yahweh, the God of Israel, and against Moses. Then they asked Moses to intercede for them so that Yahweh would take away the snakes from among them, as they said. The Lord answered this plea, and he answered Moses' intercession for them. By commanding Moses to make a snake image and mount it on a pole. And God told him, when anyone is bitten and looks at it, he will recover. Moses obeyed and made a bronze snake and mounted it on a pole, held it up. True to Yahweh's word. Whenever someone was bitten and looked at the bronze snake, he or she recovered. This is the background, and this is the context for what has become a famous verse among modern Christians, one that is usually quoted apart from the context, John 3.16. In John 3.13-15, Jesus famously related this incident in Numbers 21, 4 through 9 to his own being lifted up so that whoever believes in him will receive the life of the coming age now. That's the life that cures the deadly ills of this age, especially of being under the deadly control of sin. Later in John's gospel, namely in 828 of John, Jesus speaks again of being lifted up, this time revealing that when his enemies will have lifted him up, then they would come to know that Yeshua, Jesus, is indeed the Son of Man and the coming one, Yahweh in the flesh. They will look upon him whom they pierced. A verse that has come forward to us in this present critical moment 
is Zechariah chapter 12 and verse 10. That verse is momentous for many reasons, but two reasons stand out most prominently right now. First, the Lord speaks and he says, I will pour out on the house of David and on those living in Jerusalem a spirit of grace and of prayer. Secondly, the Lord says, and they will look to me whom they pierced. What is happening right now? The Lord is pouring out his spirit, whom Hebrews 10.29 calls the spirit of grace. The writer to the Hebrews calls him the spirit of grace during a severe warning that God's people do not insult the spirit of grace by refusing to persevere in faith. This is the same Spirit, Holy Spirit, in and by whom we pray and who makes intercession in us and for us, especially when we don't know what to pray for, for he helps us when we don't know how to pray or what exactly to pray for. Romans eight twenty six to 27 speaks of this. And we may compare that with Jude one twenty to 21, where the scripture says, pray in the Holy Spirit, build yourselves up on that most holy faith, and keep yourselves in the love of God. And are we not looking at Yahweh, the Lord, who was pierced, when we look unto Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith who endured the cross and who has sat down at the right hand of his father, Hebrews 12, one to two. And the same Jesus who once crowned with thorns is now crowned with glory and honor. One day, every eye says the scripture, every eye will see him. Every knee will bow to him. Every tongue sing praise to him. When all flesh together sees and experiences Jesus, who is the salvation of God. Isaiah 40, verse 5, Luke 3, 6. At his future coming, Those who will have kept the faith, those who will have fought the fight, those who will have run this race with patience will be joyously confident in the splendor of his appearance. And they will be crowned with a crown of life, James 1.12, and of righteousness, 2 Timothy 4.8. But those who will have refused the spirit of grace and renounced their confession of faith will look upon the Son of God whom they crucified all over again, whom they pierced all over again. And they will be profoundly ashamed and shrink away from him 
I'm not making this up. And I'm not using this as a scare tactic to keep people in the faith. For the scripture itself says, they will mourn for him as one mourns for an only son. They will be in bitterness on his behalf, like the bitterness of mourning for the loss or the death of a firstborn son. And again, and now children continue in him, abide in him, remain in him, so that when he appears, not if, but when he appears, you will have joyous confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. The picture there is shrinking away from him at his coming. 1 John 2.28. And in Hebrews 10.37, the scripture says, For yet in so little time, the coming one will come and will not delay. But my righteous one will live by faith. And if he draws back in fear, my soul is not pleased with him. Be assured, though, now we are not among those who draw back to destruction. Like the vast majority of the embittered Exodus generation. But we are those who have faith to the preservation of the soul. Like the heroes of faith who are memorialized in Hebrews 11 verses 2 through 40. In John 12, 31 to 32, the theme of being lifted up, which originally derived from Numbers 21, 4 to 9, with the hoisting up of the serpent or the snake, the bronze snake on a pole. In John 12, 31 to 32, Jesus spoke still again of being lifted up. This time in the context of the defeat of the prince of this world and the promise that, quote, if I am lifted up, I will drag all to myself, using that verb to drag or to draw as a catch of fish is dragged to shore. I will draw all, drag all to myself. This reminds us of Isaiah chapter 45 and verse 22, speaking of looking to him. Look unto me, all you ends of the earth, and be saved. And that goes right into 45.23 for the Lord says, For every knee will bow to me, every tongue confess allegiance to me. And as Paul interpreted that, all will sing praise to me, Romans 14.11. Also, of course, Philippians 2.5 through 11. So this phrase, drag all to myself should remind us of Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 9, our title verse. But we do see Jesus. There it is again. For a little while he was made inferior to angels for the suffering of death, in order that by the grace of God he would taste death in behalf of all, crowned with glory and honor. Brian and Pastor Brown were speaking of a variation on this theme, and they were recognizing the value 
of a spiritual strategy in a time of severe health crisis. God is always wanting us to look away from the biting snakes to the snake on a pole. To Jesus Christ and him crucified. To Jesus who endured the cross, despising its disgrace. And who has now sat down in the height of glory and honor at the right side of the majesty, which is his father and our father, which is his God and our God. The disciple whom Jesus loved, the author of the gospel of John, puts it most endearingly when he wrote of, quote, the only begotten son in the bosom of the father. Picturing the Lord Jesus Christ, the son, leaning on the father's chest as the beloved disciple leaned on the chest of Jesus at the last supper, John 13, 23. See John 1, 18 for this. Looking unto Jesus in this way strengthens the weary and calms the impatient. It even cures a person from the deadly plague of fear and anxiety that sickens the soul when a time of adversity seems to linger longer than our capacity can endure. But God is faithful. 1 Corinthians 1.9 says it. 1 Corinthians 10.13 says it. 1 Thessalonians 5.24 says it. God is faithful. Who will not test us beyond our capacity. He gives us more grace in James 4.5. As we humble ourselves before him. That we may be held up under the adversity, and carry on through it. He provides a way of escape that we may endure that trial or that test. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. And this, of course, is in answer to the petition that Jesus made in the so-called Lord's Prayer that our Father does not lead us into temptation. Lead us not into temptation is better translated as Don't let us crack under the pressure, under any adversities. For there are many adversities for the righteous, but the Lord delivers them out of them all. In Psalm 34, 19 and 20. We have been appointed to a certain amount of adversity and affliction. In 1 Thessalonians 3, 3. It is through much tribulation that we will enter into a true experience of the kingdom of God in Acts 14.22, Romans 14.17. And so don't let us crack under the pressure. And then he added in Matthew 6.13, and keep us safe from the evil one. Whether by design or unconsciously, the writer of Hebrews, the study in which we're now engaged, in a manner of speaking, did what Moses did. He held before the people the bronze snake, as it were, which his readers had come to know to be Jesus, who, by the grace of God, had tasted death 
for all and who is exalted to a position far superior not only to the angels but also to Moses superiority to Moses is also a part of Hebrews as we move into chapter 3 and Jesus intercedes for us not to save us from a plague of snakes but to save us to the very uttermost Hebrews 7:25 to save us with an eschatological salvation that is eternal indescribable glorious so the pastoral strategy the strategy of the shepherd the strategy of the pastor teacher of the writer of Hebrews was to address a group of people in crisis like the wandering generation of the Exodus they were becoming weary some were at least some were becoming impatient due to what appeared to them and what felt like them a too long delay of the coming of the Lord to finally effect the restoration of all things how long O Lord my strategy is very much the same during our current so-called corona crisis and beyond it and that's important I say beyond it because the time in which we live will continue to offer many challenges to faith and temptations to faint to grow weary in the seemingly long delay of the Lord's return these challenges will remain and they'll keep on coming after God blasts this virus to hell and it becomes just a historical footnote my intention is to urge those who hear me in these messages to look away from anxious obsessions unto Jesus and to see that it is precisely in his death and in his exaltation that he appeared in judgment to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself looking back we're also looking forward to his coming again not again to suffer but to bring salvation to all who are waiting for him to all for whom he died to all of the groaning creation to the living and the dead we're bound to get weary looking for his future appearance if we don't keep looking at his appearance at the juncture of the ages to put away sin so that sin will not be an issue when he comes again Jesus Christ is the same in his so-called first coming as he will be in his so-called second coming Jesus Christ the same yesterday today and forever Paul the Apostle anticipated a crown of righteousness which the Lord the righteous judge he said would give to him on that day capital D a Y the day of his universal appearance second Timothy 4 8 the Apostle of Jesus Christ anticipated this corona this crown 
because he had, quote, run the race, kept the faith, fought the fight, the good fight. Second Timothy 4, 7. He said that this crown will be given not only to him, but to all who love Jesus appearing. All of us who love his appearing. To love his appearing is not only to love his future epiphany, the epiphany of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ, as Titus 2.13 calls it. It is also to love the appearance that he already made when he was lifted up on the cross like the despised image of a poisonous snake, when he took away our sin. Now, when he appears again, it will not be to judge our sins or to judge us for our sins or anyone for their sins. For he was made already the expiation, the propitiation for our sins, and not for our sins, but for the sins of the whole world. 1 John 2, 1 and 2. It will be when he appears to bring deliverance and to bring culmination to the times of the restoration of all things. Hebrews 9.28, coupled with Acts 3.21. We who will have kept looking to him during the course of our wandering in this world will be happy to see him. We who are looking for him, intently expecting him, will be happy to see him. Those who caved in to their despair who continued to complain, to project blame, and seek scapegoats in their willful ignorance of the scapegoat who took away their sins, will be ashamed at his appearing. Though saved, though saved, because, as the scripture says, no one can lay any other foundation than the one that is already laid, that is, Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians 3.11. But he will come also as a fire that tests the quality of every person's actions. He is a fire that consumes all actions, however applauded by people, which will have been achieved in unbelief. Keep a sense of imminence. Beware of succumbing to the notion that the Lord is slow or even that he's forgetful regarding his promise to come again and receive us to himself and to restore all things. As there is an end and a limit to this current worldwide health and economic challenge, there is also an end and a limit to this present evil age and all the evils that are inherent in it. We can either be like the vast majority of that wilderness generation who during their period of wandering rebelled, complained, and withdrew from the living God with an evil heart of unbelief 
Hebrews 3, 7 to 19 tells that sad tale. Or we can be like the heroes of faith, rightly called so, who are featured in Hebrews 11, who in their faith drew near to God and who by faith were approved by him. Both the disgraced generation who by unbelief perished in the desert and the heroes of faith are remembered as to how they acted in times of adversity. Let us be written up in the anthology of heroes of faith because that's an anthology that is still being researched and compiled with case histories from our very own time. Father, let this word of exhortation land on receptive souls. Let this good word of God, this good word of God, Hebrews 6, 5, find root in good soil, in good and honest hearts, and let the fruit of this arise, some 30, some 60, some 100-fold. We continue to pray because the spirit of grace and prayer is poured out upon us. And we seek the Holy Spirit to even give us exactly how to pray, what to pray for, who to pray for. And our prayers will be effective in setting the limit to our present crisis. We have confidence in you, Father. We have love for all the brethren, love for all the world for which you gave your life, you gave your son. And we pray that during this time, many who have not turned to him before will look from all the ends of the earth to him and be saved. This we ask in his name. Amen.